and finally sport. And in the penultimate international shoving contest, it was a resounding victory for the Netherlands over France with two firm shoves to zero, sealed with a petulant storm off. Also, there was some F1 racing. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth. He's Zog. Hello. He's Richard. Hello. And she's Sarah. Hello. There's an awful lot of people in this room. We can barely fit. I'm not sure we've ever had so many people around the microphone. But did all the people around this microphone watch the Brazilian Grand Prix at the weekend, Sarah? Yes, I did. You watched it live? I watched it live. You enjoy it? I did enjoy it. Lots of action. It was probably up there with one of the best yet this year. It was, yeah. It shouldn't have been that good, though, Zog, really, because the championship's over. Yeah, and everyone tends to lose a little bit of interest, a little bit of motivation after the Drivers' Championship is over. But Mercedes, the team, certainly were still keen to secure their Constructors' Championship, which they did. They got a fifth Constructors' title in a row. In fact, fifth Constructors plus Drivers, which is... A Which is quite an achievement. You know, only Ferrari has done that previously. Actually, it's worth mentioning, this is the first time, I believe, that Lewis Hamilton has won a race after he has won the World Championship. In every oh, yes, previous yes, yes. championship year, yes, yes, yes. he hasn't won any races on the championship. He, you know. But is it the first time Richard has watched a race live in, what, five races? Um... Well, that sounds like a no. You know, I'm having my year of struggling to care. I know, yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> I did watch the second half of the race live. Oh, wow, well Actually, done. More than, more, yeah. than, more than half, because we were having dinner with our children, and then that was done. And I'll be honest, I'd forgotten the race was on. Um. <laughs> but the good thing about children is they eat really early. Children and old people, oh, four o'clock dinner, sort of, sort of thing. And so it was, it was probably about half four the children were ready to eat so the children ate and then I went hang on a minute there's an F1 race on so I took our daughter into the other room and we just sat on the floor and she's like oh moving pictures brilliant that's okay and I started watching it then my boy came in and he went ah I don't want to watch the Formula One I want to watch cartoons or something and I went well I want to watch the Formula One and I'm your father (laughs) (laughs) well done because I get a bit Victorian dad sometimes I was a bit like no correct we should all sit in sturdy wingback chairs and look at lithographs. So did Little uh, Sniff watch the race? Well, here's the thing. So what happened was that then he kind of, having gone, oh, I don't want to watch Formula One, which I could see, you know, he used to watch it more and he seems to have lost interest, like me, like Father <laughs> I blame the parents. And the next thing, he was more into it than I was. Because he was going, is that Lewis Hamilton? Yeah, that's Lewis Hamilton. Is he still winning? Yeah, he's still winning. How quick is he? And I'm like, well, hang on, let's wait for the graphics to come up. Yeah, he's doing, okay, yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah. And he was obsessed with it. So it sounds like you started watching the race when Lewis Hamilton was in the lead. So did you miss the Max Verstappen no, Ocon? No, I saw that, and then I saw the Ocon. And so I saw Verstappen overtake Hamilton. That's when I turned on. That had just happened. So right. I can, in fact, place it precisely whatever lap that was. Then the Ocon incident, and then a crotchety four-year-old walked into the room and went, oh, I don't want to watch the Formula 1. And I went... Keep watching. Yeah. I'm assuming that the people listening to this show know what happened, but let me just flag it up. Lewis was leading, Bottas behind. Max managed to edge his way forward and was going to steal the race from Mercedes until he came across Esteban Ocon, a backmarker, and tripped over him. No, the backmarker came across him because at that point the backmarker was faster yeah, than Verstappen. Yeah, because he was on fresher tyres. He was on fresher tyres, yeah, yeah. and at that point, right then, he was quicker than Verstappen. And to me, it seemed like they were both a bit dim in that particular mm-hmm. incident because, from Ocon's point of view, he's never going to beat Verstappen in the race. So he uh, be light. He, he doesn't want to be too risky when he's trying to make up places or unlap himself, as he was in this case. He's perfectly entitled to unlap himself, and yeah, he should try and do it. But maybe he could have waited for a slightly better moment. Equally, Verstappen, given that he is never going to be beaten by Ocon in this race, doesn't have to leave quite so little room for Ocon in that moment. I'm sure he never expected Ocon to be right there when he was, when Verstappen turned in. But even so, if they'd both been smarter... That would never have happened. I tend to agree. I think Max Verstappen should have just given him a little bit more room. Yep. If you really wanted to win the race yep. and play it smart, 
there's no reason why he needed to race Ocon. He should have just given him a little bit more room, let them have their tussle for for however many seconds it was. Hamilton was far enough behind. Mm -hmm. And then he could have given him some space and carried on. And it is one of Max's failings. It's one of the chinks, one of his weaknesses, that he doesn't have, sometimes in the heat of the way, he doesn't have the fine judgment about just how much room he can leave or not. But your weaknesses are your strength. (laughs) And the fact that he is so gung-ho... Thank you, bloke from karate. That was him, yes. I don't think that's true. Uh, Yeah, it is. It is true. That your strength are your weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. yeah, No, 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 no. no, no, It's it's obviously rubbish, but it sounds (laughs) good. (laughs) I I have a terrible weakness for cheese, but (laughs) you just go, my strength is now I'm immensely fat and spotty. (laughs) It doesn't work like that. Violet's got this theory that if you get together with someone who's got beautiful fingernails and you think, oh, they've got lovely fingernails. Look at they're so lovely, those fingernails. I find them attractive. What attracts you to them? And then after two years with that person, you realise they spend all their bloody time doing their fingernails. I feel like you've had an experience with someone. I, I, no, this is a theoretical <laughs> thing. No, is, but also, it's it's the way yeah, yeah. What's well, going on here? Yin and Yang. This is the universe's way of putting itself in balance. So if someone's strength is their weakness, yeah. then Theoretically, their weakness has to be their strength. Well, the rest of my well case. obviously, you, by definition, if their strength is their weakness, then their weakness is their strength. Thank because you, they're the same thing. Yeah. But that's just defining their weakness. That, that doesn't get <laughs> you anywhere. I, I think we should move Might on. Their well strength is their shoe size. It struck me one little thing about Esteban Ocon that I'm not sure we've discussed before. He's the only driver on the grid who sounds like he might have been created by a kind of Victorian. Gentleman inventor. What? Esteban. Well, it's actually, well, I'm a, He's that gentleman name? after last week's unveiling. This week I give you the Estebanicon, <laughs> this mighty device that will reinvigorate Formula One. Oh, and oh, oh, there we go. I think, oh dear me. Okay. So I wasn't expecting that. Well, the Estebanicon. Have you used it? I just had a moment on the camera. I just, it just, it just came to me in a flash. Why, Jennifer, you are suffering from weak humours. Let us put you on the Estebanicon. Oh, <laughs> it will rejuvenate you. Good night. Maybe that's what they can call the new Hyperloop. Yes, well, we'll come to that. That's a good name for that. Lewis, though, how happy must have Lewis have been? It was was a gift. (laughs) He was gifted. Verstappen was driving a masterclass race. It's not every day you overtake two Ferraris and two Mercedes. Correct. Up until lap 44. Not even every other day. No. Yes. And then lap 44 happened. Ocon came on board and Verstappen lost his call. And Hamilton was just raining in on the parade. <laughs> well, I'd be right in thinking it looked to me as I was just turning the television on, and we've got one of those Sony Estebanicons, which takes a while to warm up. <laughs> <laughs> but it looked to me like when Verstappen overtook Hamilton, Hamilton just kind of went, eh, fair cop, mate, go for it. Yeah. I'm the world champion. Knock yourself out. Yeah. There was no real fight. You just kind of yeah, went, yeah, fair play. Just, yeah, yeah. You're quicker, you're yeah, better. Whatever yeah. it is, la la la. And then a few laps later, went, oh. Hello. Oh. <laughs> you see, that to have had an incident. And then it was all there for the taking. But yeah, he didn't put up a fight much, did he? He just kind of went, no, yeah. okay, off you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, off yeah. you go. He have was, your moment. He it's was fine. so happy. And, and Verstappen, obviously, he really had the pace to win that race. And yeah, Lewis would have had a very hard time stopping him if that hadn't happened. I think Finn has got something to say on this matter. Hold my headphones a minute. I've got to let him in, otherwise he's just going to shout all the time. He is a fairly opinionated cat, Finn. I'll tell you what, I've... What is it? I've always been a dog mass. person, but tonight I'm a cat lady. <laughs> oh, every, everyone loves Finn. Amazing looking cat. He is a lovely, he's a super, Finn? super cat. We, we all love you, Finn. Who is wrong boy. in the incident between Max Verstappen and Esteban Ocon, Finn? Who? A racing incident, Co- you correct. say? <laughs> Why? <laughs> what wisdom you have? <laughs> He'll settle. Lewis was unbelievably happy at the end of the race, much happier at the end of this race than he was at Mexico when he won the championship, mainly because he'd won the race, he'd had a better race, and at Mexico he was kind of subdued and he struggled to enjoy. Yes, he did, Finn, yes, don't disagree with me. But what I liked was the level of celebration that Lewis engaged with his team afterwards. They were really happy and that made me happy it was a bountiful experience well now what somebody told me a while ago and i might be getting this wrong that when red bull won drivers and constructors a few years ago everyone in the team everyone got 10 grand wow really yeah now 
Are we in the wrong job? Yeah, we yeah. Just bloody hell, yeah. 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 I would just work reception. It's <laughs> <laughs> really off chance they might win again. But, you know, we did it for a year. Trouser 10 grand. Thanks very much, everyone. Yeah, yeah one of the commentators said there's a thousand people work at Mercedes Ooh, at Brackley. Weird. So that's 10 million quid. If they did the same thing. If they did the same thing. And you suddenly go, well, now, hang on a minute. On the one hand, that's a shed load of money, but... To an F1 team, maybe not. I don't know. Mm. But maybe they go, well, we're world champions. They'll get more than that coming in just mm-hmm. for the prestige of being multiple world champions. But, yeah, that apparently, I mean, that's, I'm sure I remember this. It, it might have been because they'd done how many in a row Red Bull did. But, yeah, it was payday for everybody on that team. It's a heck of a bonus, eh? It is they definitely do get some money. I mean, even if it's a grand, it's still a grand you didn't have before. That would make that, you that, jump around. That's and... Christmas Day. That's mm. all you do. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. your Christmas shopping done. And, 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 and then more. some. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, some. It, it, I mean, it doesn't seem like... If it's going to cost you, I don't know, 10 million... If that's going to motivate your team to perform that much better, if it's going to make it that much more likely that you're going to win the world title, that's probably not a bad way to spend Mm -hmm. 10 million quid in the context of running an F1 team that could cost you... What two or three hundred million a year? I if wonder you're what a it is. Team. I wonder what it is they get for being winners. You know, being in the top tier, their returns what are the greater. Team get? What yeah, from F one. I wonder. I don't know the maths, yeah. but let's hope it yeah, outweighs yeah. what they're giving them as bonuses. The thing about this race, I found myself engaged with it on the Saturday. I watched qualifying because it seemed to me that this was not one of the last two races of the 2018 season. But because Vettel was talking it up, I've got to win this race, got to win this race, this was kind of like watching the beginning of the 2019 season, that Vettel really set out everything he possibly could to try and get pole and win this race. And that went wrong, didn't it? It didn't happen. So it seems to me if these races are a precursor of what to expect next year, we shouldn't expect a Ferrari revival. It's all going to be down to Max, you reckon? Possibly. I wouldn't count out Ferrari for next year. I think they're going to be strong again next year. They've got Leclerc, haven't they? On the topic of Ferrari, though, what I thought was very interesting is that Ferrari gave team orders to let Raikkonen overtake Ferrari, overtake Vettel. That's a first. Because Ferrari were going gung-ho for points. They still wanted to keep themselves in the Constructors' Championship. So Sebastian Vettel didn't have any chance of getting world champion. Yeah. That's gone out the window, and now it's just about the team. So Kimi Raikkonen, he went on through, and I thought, good. Yeah, just yeah. for that's me, a that's yeah, well, exactly. It's, it's Ferrari. It's a different form of behaviour. And then with Leclerc, he's yeah. coming in to Ferrari next year. Yeah. He got the best of the rest. He came seventh, and I think that would be the third time he's got seventh right. in the last. Five races or In so. In a Sauber, that's a heck of a thing. You just like Leclerc. You just want him to stuff I'd... Vettel, don't you? Because Vettel <laughs> and Ricardo didn't get on at Red Bull and you're an Australian. No, 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 no. Rumble and jungle. You know what? What? He actually stuffed Mark Webber around as well. I think I chatted to you earlier you, Yes, yes, that. that's right. Yes, yes. So there Mark Webber could have been a world champion, no? Yeah. So yeah, he Vettel could, is the anti-Australian. Multi-21, sir. Multi-21. That's burnt in your memory, isn't it? Have you got that tattooed on your arm? On somewhere, you should have it tattooed multi 21. They just put it on the flag. Says it on my birth certificate, though. (laughs) (laughs) Australian. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so given that Honda are going to be powering the Red Bulls next year, Max is definitely on form, if not a little feisty. We'll discuss that in a second. But Honda have had more power unit changes this year than any other team, is that right? I reckon they will have high performance next year but will be unreliable. So I don't think, I'm saying that now, Red Bull won't win the championship with Max Verstappen next year. But, okay, back to Max. Certainly, I certainly wouldn't take that bet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's about right. But, They're not. But no, that Honda engine is going to be good. I think mm. if we're comparing where the two Red Bull drivers are going to end up in terms of a package next year, unfortunately, I think Ricardo's going to lose out on that deal. The Renault package is not going to be as strong as the Honda. But we'll was see, Max I think right to go and push... Ocon around. Do you see that, Richard? Do you watch that? Have you seen oh, the footage? Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. Very yeah. silly. That's stupid. Oh, I quite liked it. But this is because you're spending time around tiny children. This is why this kind of behaviour has been normalised. You see, this kind of <laughs> pushing and shoving and crying and you know. Do you know what? I 
think it was a moment of interest. We're talking about it now, after all. In a sometimes quite dull sport. And these younger guys, Verstappen, Ocon, you know, these are the new generation. It was almost like a sort of clear split. If you sift out all the chaff that drives for Williams, then you've got <laughs> the older experienced guys, Raikkonen, Hamilton... Alonso, and you watch them, and you know they do that thing that the commentators often refer to, and people like Martin Brundle say, oh, you know, it's racecraft, and it is because they're almost sort of quite gentlemanly in the way they'll let people through. Hamilton let Verstappen through. Mm-hmm. I think if it Verstappen had been trying to overtake himself for that position, he'd have probably crashed into himself <laughs> and also gone around in circles. Oh, yeah, go around in circles. <laughs> but Hamilton is old and wise enough now, and probably wasn't a few years ago, to just go, yeah, I'm world champion. He's clearly a bit quicker than me today. Just. He can have his moment, yeah. God bless you, sir. (laughs) On your way. Take care. Don't have an accident. Oh, no! Oh, that's unfortunate. I don't know why Lewis Hamilton's become Terry Thomas. (laughs) Anyway. But then you've got this sort of younger breed, and they're all, at the risk of sounding like an old fart, they're all kids, and they're all Mm -hmm. hungry for it. And they get a bit scrappy. And, and it's interesting. And if they're getting scrappy in the garage, I mean, he didn't lamp him. He just had a little pushy ah, moment. He do you did, know why? But it was, you know, but it was but silly. You, it was silly. Do, do you know why he didn't lamp him, Mum? Go on. Because he's the son of Jos Verstappen. Now, Jos. <laughs> yeah, he in, did exactly the same thing. Wasn't it? it was he, in, in Brazil, uh, well, I, it, um, Montoya drove into the back of, uh, of Jos when he was in an Arrows. But Jos got into big trouble. He went to court because he runs a kart track in the Netherlands and he punched a chap <laughs> at this kart track, some parental... You know, what do they call like when parents are egging their children on and there was some... Anyway, Jos punched someone and got into massive trouble, just about escaped prison. Okay. And I think Max has learned from that, and I think Max would really like to have lamped Ocon, but showed, in my opinion, massive restraint not to do so. But instead, mm. he got two days of community service. <laughs> and you know what? Sorry. What I thought was like mega interesting was that Ross Braun, the commentator after the race, he said that the two days community service would not only help him develop as a driver, but mostly. As a man. <laughs> now, and I thought that was quite big because people it's were coming true. out going, making similarities between Verstappen and Michael Schumacher. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Michael Schumacher was at Ferrari when Ross Braun was at Ferrari. Yes, yes, so, yes. He would understand that sort of... So it's very difficult tweakiness. to actually compare and Schumacher mm, to Verstappen. Mm. Is Schumacher not immune to moments of a hot-headed... No. Stupid. As a result of feeling slightly so, over-entitled, we might say. I mean, yeah. The do you know what's funny about that clip is that obviously it was shot sort of down in the garage into the weigh-in room where you're not generally there were obviously weren't cameras at the time and then Verstappen stomped off looking really proper pouty lip petulant about it and the camera panned around with him and then you could see all these people standing there with their camera phones all doing selfies (laughs) look look, there's a fight in the background with my big stupid face in the foreground you're like take a picture no no one one actually says Hey guys, why don't you just calm down a bit, take it easy, have a chill pill, you know? No, they're just taking pictures. Feels like you've got the job. That was a good voice. Well, I, I can be kind of what? Formula just, One. Yeah, Formula One. Media. Just the way that you said chill. Come on, guys. Thank you. So, you're sacked from this program, you're now employed by the FIA as their mediator <laughs> of chill guru. <laughs> Sir Henry. Ah, good morning, Lord Reddleston. Out for a ride at the Estebanacon, I see. Yes, it's changed my life. I notice you have one of those new steam-powered Estebanacon. Yes, I find it much easier. Far less risk of Landonoris. Oh, look, here comes Lady Elizabeth. Ah, yes. Good morning, Lady Elizabeth. Would you like a try of my Estebanacon? How dare you? Ah, good heavens. It's not as if I offered to show my Valtteri Bottas. Now is the winter of our discontent, with only one more Formula One race to go. Do you get withdrawal symptoms? Do you get you get the shakes when F one's not on? I do. I do a bit. Well, I get the shakes. But I just I... kind of find myself, you know, yeah. checking the TV schedule. Yeah. Oh. There's no race this weekend. Yeah, no, yeah. But there will be a race in a few weekends. Not necessarily a Formula One race, but a Formula E race. Which, in its, what are we, fourth season now? Fifth. Fifth yeah, season yeah. now. It's, it's the fifth is season. He's starting to get 
what is it they say a bit of purchase a bit of resonance a bit of um, what's the word Tra- tra- traction. traction traction momentum Mo- momentum yeah Traction is probably the best option yeah, as we're say, talking about motorsport. Let's go back to traction. The key bit of information, I think, is something that broke on the day that we're recording this programme. That the BBC are picking up Formula E, but Sarah, not on TV per se, no? Not on TV. It will be on their website and their BBC, their red button. Yep. So, yep, you can watch every single race over the next season of Formula E on their website and BBC Red Button. Well, it'll be interesting to see what that does for the viewing figures, because I think, and you'd probably be more on top of this than me, but I, I think the viewing figures have been a little bit on the low side, haven't they? Well, they have. So Formula E are trying new ways to actually reach out to larger audiences. So yeah. not only are they using a free-to-air service like BBC, but they are actually broadcasting live to YouTube all the races next season. Now, this is going to be a very interesting season because of this. Formula One next year will be hidden behind a paywall, Mm. so it would be very difficult for viewers to be able to actually watch Formula One. This year they've been able to do that on Channel 4, although Channel 4 next year will have the highlights. Yeah. A new deal that they've made with Sky. And they've got the British Grand Prix live as well, Richard, haven't they, I think? Yeah. Yeah. But the BBC are going to show one Formula E race live on TV. That's correct. It'll either be on BBC One or BBC Two. It's unknown at the moment whether they will pick up the host broadcast or BBC will actually put together their own show. And I wonder which race it is. It's not going to be one that's in the middle of the night somewhere. It'll be an evening or an afternoon You'd race. You'd expect it would be a European one. You'd hope Something so, that would you? be according to our local time yeah. here in the UK. I read a thing on Twitter today by Mark Gallagher, who used to run Cosworth Formula One, and he was in charge of sponsorship and advertising for Jordan a long time ago. So this is a man who knows the motorsport industry really well. And he described this move by Formula E as like watching a chess game play out, and that Formula E are making all the right moves and Formula One aren't. I've always believed that the original model of Formula One being free-to-air encourages sponsorship and advertising, brings money into the sport and therefore supports teams. Formula One have moved away from that. And Formula E are doing the right thing, in that opinion. I'll give you two words. Yeah, go on. Bernie Ecclestone. <laughs> they're not words, they're swear words, aren't they, Richard? <laughs> well, Bernie, his number one thing was making big deals. And yeah. so he's basically made a huge big deal to make lots and lots of money. He didn't really care about audience figures. He cared about cash figures. He did. So he was all about the pounds. And for him, that was a thrill. But did he inadvertently get it right? I mean, because by having Formula One free to air in so many countries for so long, that surely helped to make it the sports commercial juggernaut that it's been. Well, I I heard a story about Bernie. Oh, hello. Recently. Is this one we can repeat? Yeah, it's it's one of the repeatable ones. (laughs) One of them. Wow. (laughs) The one. The story was, because I think Bernie was ultimately all about the cash wherever the cash was coming from. Cash was king. But tied up in that, he also wanted Formula One to be prominent, to be talked about, to be covered in the media. Not necessarily because you could watch it on your telly, because he clearly let that go, but just that Formula One had to be always in people's consciousness. So it had to be being covered in the newspapers and things like that. And... After Liberty took over and he still had that sort of token, whatever it was. He was kind of involved in a way that nobody could quite understand. And he went to one of the races and he called all the Liberty top people. He said, I want to meet with you. And he called them into a meeting room. And he got all the morning's newspapers on a Sunday morning from wherever they were spread out on the table. And he went, you see, look, you're on the inside back page. You're not on the back page. No, this isn't good. No, you're not here. You're not here. You're not here. And he went this whole thing where he felt that they weren't getting enough coverage. And that's what he cared about. Mm -hmm. And they clearly didn't. And Mm. the story that I was told that it was Ross Braun was there. And Ross Braun was the one who went, Bernie. Just let it go. Could I just make one comment? Bernie Eccleston came through in the newspaper ages. So it yeah, was yeah. It last year, the year before. Probably the one at the moment are welcoming the digital age. If anyone hasn't noticed, they've really upped the ante with their digital content and yeah. they are mm. reaching the masses. So their goal is obviously to reach as many audiences as they can digitally. And I think they're really achieving that. So their Instagram figures are going up, their Facebook figures are going up, and a lot of people are watching the coverage on their YouTube. And when did you last buy a newspaper? Uh, when you say, well, okay, when you say buy a newspaper, <laughs> do you mean buy a physical paper newspaper? Yeah. I look every day at the online version. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Shortlist. But yeah. do you pay for the paywall for the Guardian, I'm assuming, or the Indie? Or the- Actually, I, I don't 
pay for either the Guardian or the Telegraph, which are the two that I look at the most. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. You're a well-balanced man. When, when, did I, when did I last buy a paper newspaper? I mean, it's, it's yeah. three or four months ago. It doesn't happen. Oh, before. really? Yeah. yeah. I would say it's years for me. I'm ashamed to say. I cannot remember the last time I bought a newspaper. So, yeah, absolutely what you're saying and what you're saying. You know, no, that's a good point. I just think Bernie's head is in a different place, isn't it? He's old school and he still thinks that's important, I guess. And, and as far as I'm aware, Bernie Eccleston really didn't take any note of social media. In fact, he just completely... No, he thought just, it was a waste of time. Yeah, he, he was completely disregarded go, it. Yeah. Uh, I think he had this attitude. He seemed to regard it as being something that was entirely to do with youth culture and young people. And as far as he could see, young people just don't buy expensive watches and the stuff that people who are sponsoring F1... But young Which people like to go fast. Yeah, and, 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 well, and <laughs> they and like to live in the fast. They lane. grow up and they grow up pretty quickly. You know, that oh, was a rather short sighted. <laughs> well, also, if you keep going, Rolex, side, Rolex, it's... Rolex. At a young person, when they're an old person, they've got they a few quid. Rolex. They'll yeah, buy a Rolex. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the whole well, basis. It of doesn't make any young sense. Young people so. is the audience that the Formula One are trying to reach out to at the moment. Yeah, quite rightly now. Yeah, quite rightly. The rest of us are dying. But we were talking about Formula E. Sorry, you're right. We were. Formula E. Okay. So the question. Yeah, well, Does Formula E, to us guys around here, have the resonance that Formula One did? I can't see it happening for a while because Formula One has got 70 years of backstory of which I've watched for well, 40-something years, right? I've only been invested in Formula E for what I thought was four, but it's in fact well, five max years. Max five seasons at the most. Yeah. We're in our fifth season. But there are mm. significant changes this year, which is making Formula E a bit cooler, in my opinion. The first one is that the Gen 2 car looks ace. Do you think it looks good, Richard? A bit yes, sci-fi? yes, yes, I like it a lot. Yeah. I, I like I mean, it a lot. They, <laughs> a lot. And that's the most I can like anything. A lot. A lot. A lot, a lot. yeah. I think it looks amazing. I really, really think it looks fantastic. The old one looked okay. This one's yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought yeah. the old one looked a bit spindly. It might just snap at any moment. Yeah, it looks a bit... Good, yeah. good and futuristic. It's different though, you know, angles. Nice. Different. But yes, this one looks proper futuristic. And the second one is, good news, they're doing away with that silly car swap in the middle of the race, which I found embarrassing. I thought it sent out the wrong message a little about bit weird. electric cars. That they exactly. can't yeah. go the distance. Yeah. Can I get a woo for you guys for this or a clang? But I was chatting with Amanda Stretton the other day. Ooh. <laughs> clang. Yeah. And I asked her, because she's close to Jaguar's, what's it called? The I Pace E Trophy Challenge thing that's a support race for Formula E next season. Yeah. I was asking about how Formula E going to manage this next season. Because, as I understand it, the new battery capacity on the new Gen 2 cars is not quite double what it was previously. Which means that the races, they're either going to have to slow down to complete the race distance as was... Or find some other way of managing yeah, it. Have a slightly shorter race. That and, or make to... it 45 minutes. And that's what they're doing. She told me that they're having a 45-minute race plus one lap. Which is kind of innovative, isn't it? I feel I like, like that. that plus one lap will be the deciding lap. Yes. Because it'll be 45 yes. minutes. The boys Flat will... out! Yeah. Yes, the drivers will have their countdown. <laughs> when it's almost for then they'll just go, go gung-ho. Could you imagine that last lap? Inch by inch. It could be terrible. You know, the slow race. You know, do you ever have that? You're a parent, Richard. Junior Sniff has only just started primary school, but there's always a race for dads, which is either the egg and spoon race oh, yeah, God, or the slow that. race where yeah. you've got to be the last one to cross the line. I have a feeling the last lap of Formula E could be like that. They're all going to be trying to get as slow as you can to cross the line. Oh, it's I've really run out of power. a slow race? Well, they're going to have to try and... Yeah, yeah. In, is in, for dads. Well, yeah. it might be a matter yeah. of... The battery might be almost yeah. dead by the time they... Yeah. Go over the chicken flag. You're going to have to eke it out that last lap to get there. Some will die on the last lap, and you've got to go <laughs> slow. It'll be the slowest winner, won't I'm it? Fred Flintstone over there. <laughs> <laughs> sure? I'm a big fan Presumably, they'll have figured this out. So they'll have picked the 45 minutes so that there'll be what kind of two or three laps of leeway? Margin. Of headroom? Yeah. Mm, let's hope so. Is that, yeah. uh, maybe hey, not. We'll find out. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. it will just be. General at the last minute. So mm. you've got a real bit of. Can you uh, bang those cars into neutral for. Some bits of it just let it coast. They do lift and coast. They do lift and coast a lot of the time, don't they? They're always complaining about having to do lift and coast. Even Formula One drivers have to do a bit of that, don't they? Even Formula One. But are you excited about Formula E, Richard? Well, I'm interested in it. I've always been quite interested in it. And also, 
New teams. Yes. Yeah. I've got the list there. Let's have a look. Under new management, well, the Nissan team is effectively the Edams team who uh, Renault last year. That's under new management. So that's uh, Jean-Paul Brio. They've got Sebastian Buemi as one driver. Yeah. Who was the Renault driver? Well, he won the inaugural. That's right. Formula yeah. E. He's good. Way inaugural. Eno, yeah. Is that what they call it? Inaugural. No, no, no. Inaugural. But we can call it Inaugural. 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 The other Nissan driver, I've not heard of this guy, TBA. Did you know TBA? Yeah, TBA. I can give you the TBA. Do you know who TBA is? French driver, isn't he? Yes. TBA. 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 It's TBA. Let me just check my notes. Yep, I got TBA. My notes say TBA as well. Didn't TBA race in one of the GT categories at Le Mans last year? I think he did. There were several. Jean TBA. Jean TBA. I could be TBA. You could be TBA. Yeah, yeah, that would work. I yeah. could do all right. OK, so we've got Sam Bird and Robin Friens driving for the Envision Virgin racing team, who've now been dropped by DS. Actually, interesting, Virgin have gone to Audi for their powertrain and chassis now. Well, the chassis is the same as everyone's. It's this Spark. Mm. But they're using an Audi powertrain, so that's quite a big change for Virgin there. Panasonic, well, it's their own... They call it the I-Type. I-I-I-3. Yes. Interesting. And they've got Nelson Piquet Jr. and Mitch Evans. Mitch. Much. 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 I've met Much, and he is a really... Nice. Nice guy. guy. Yeah. Nice yeah. Guy. He's, he's from uh, New Zealand. He's from New Zealand. Fosh, right. Does he like Fosh and Chops? He likes Fosh and Chops, yeah. Lusson. He's <laughs> had enough of your shut, okay? <laughs> and, and he's a really nice bloke, I met him. Uh, I met him last year. He's a lovely love guy. Very unracing driver. Maybe it's because he's from New Zealand, though. Yeah, man. Like he's kind I can't of like, believe I'm here. He is New Zealand's racing driver. I know, so far Brind- away, mate. Brindian as well. <laughs> I think that was half Australia. Uh, well, you know, I'm from Tasmania originally. the Australian Just general kind of southern hemisphere races um, HWA race lab stuff Hooray! Stoff's got to drive with Gary Paffett. This is the McLaren Rejects. I call him Your Stoff. best mate, Stoff. I love Stoff. You and Amanda Stretton go out for a drink with yeah, what, Stoff. What, Mandy? Mandy. Does this mean Stoff will end on? Is this the end of his Formula One career? Or do yes. you think he might. Yeah, yeah he ain't going back. He's yeah, no I way don't back. He's... Jean Eric Verne, Jev. I think he he's thought good. that he was going to get a call up by Toro mm. Rosso. Yeah, it got close, didn't it? And so did, what's his name? He almost went back as well, didn't he? Another chap who's been in Formula E who's been... Pascal Verland. He's now in Formula E X Formula 1, which is good. But interesting that Stoff, I call him Stoff, was up against... Stoffmeister. Yeah. Was up against Lando, my dad likes Star Wars, Norris. Because they gave Lando Alonso's car in Brazil. And unbelievably, Lando Norris stuffed Stoff. And I actually rate stuff. I think he's really good. And he only looks crap because he's in a crap car and he's beaten by Alonso. But the fact that Lando Norris stuff stuff has raised my viewpoint of Lando Norris because I don't think he's as good as George Russell. Yeah, but Stoffel Van Dorn hasn't got all that close to Alonso, has no, he? No, he hasn't. Yeah. Who has? And he looks permanently sure he has, frightened as well. Yeah. I think he thought he got the chops to be an F1. And well, he was he tremendous in GP2. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, just, just about big, did, but big, didn't. Big deep pool, yeah. isn't it? But mm. Yeah, maybe he'll be really good in this, though. Yeah, good luck. Less pressure. Okay, the Geox Dragon Racing Team, which is Penske in all but name. Oh, it, and they would have got away with it if it wasn't for those Penske kids. Hey, oh. well, uh, <laughs> Maximilian Gunther and Jose Maria Lopez. Now, Lopez is handy. Lopez. Yeah. So there's some quality in the field in Formula E now, in a way that there hasn't been. That Yes, they're all either F1 rejects or... Well, Lucas Degrassi... Correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. has he been the test driver for Toro Rosso this year? Mm, don't think so. Maybe it's Sebastian. I'm don't telling think Fibs. so. But Buemi had a seat you fitting, didn't he? Yeah. But I don't think Degrassi did. He was a driver in F1 in the past. Okay, Tom Dillman, Oliver Turvey. Remember? Yep. Oliver's here. Sorry, that's such an obscure reference. No one's <laughs> going to get that. <laughs> Other drivers, Lucas, yeah. Daniel Abt, the most appropriate driver in an Audi. Very apt. Felipe Massa. Now, Richard, do you think Felipe Massa is going to stuff it to Eduardo Mortara? Mortara? I love that name, Eduardo. What I'm excited about Venturi is Susie Wolf. Yeah. She is the, going to be the team principal. Well, she is the team principal. Yeah. But has she managed any team before? I know she's got a lot by osmosis, but has she ever managed a team before? No, she hasn't. 
It's a tough game. But there again, oh. we Scottish Alan McNish never managed a team before, but did rather well with the Audi team last year, so it can happen. Well, she mm. does have a good mentor in... Toto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah. pretty handy. I noticed that Andre Lotterer is in here. He's uh, been there for a little while. Because I was associated with Audi at Le Mans. Oh. And yeah, he's yeah, quite, yeah. he was quite useful there. Oh, yes, he was. And he's yeah. paired with yeah. Jean-Eric Verne, yeah, who's, who's also Jeff, has his Andy. moments. Well, I mean, it's a, it's Jean-Eric Verne is the reigning champion. Field. We have four other drivers to mention before we give up on this. Alexander Sinner. <laughs> before we give up on this. Alexander Sims, who I, I believe was a, an actor in the 1950s. He was in English films. That's right, Alexander Sims. Have you ever heard of more... English name and Alexander Sims. Where's he come from then? I don't know actually. I don't know his background at all. I'm ashamed to say. But Japanese, he's possibly. I don't Is know. He? <laughs> hey, and Antonio Felix de Costa now another great GP2 driver, handy. And the last two, Jerome D'Ambrosio, which is, I believe, a sort of European pudding. Yes. Mm-hmm. Quite creamy. And Pascal. So, of all those drivers, who's the best driver there? Uh, it's hard to say. Well, I mean, Maximilian Gunther, obviously. <laughs> I know. like the idea of Stoffel van Dorn sounding exactly like a Star Trek character. Stoffel van Dorn. Stoffel van Dorn. He is very Star Trek. I never thought of that before. All I hear is Postman Pat. Stoffel van Dorn. Stoffel van Dorn. <laughs> Stoffel van Dorn has got that. No, anyway. But I reckon it's Pascal. I reckon he's... Finn, hush, we're talking about Formula E. Really? I reckon Pascal's probably the quickest of all of them. Is he quicker than Massa, Richard? Yes. Is he quicker than Sam Bird? Uh, Sam Bird. Yeah, Sam Bird's just, quite Every time handy, I see Sam Bird... I feel like he's Frodo and Sam. Finn disagrees. Out of the Hobbit. <laughs> oh, really? Not bad. Is that Sam, how you see him? He's a little fella, isn't he? He's a, uh, I like the way that you did that. Oh, it's a visual thing. But, <laughs> like you could have put your tea tray on top of his head there, couldn't you? But come on, you know. He's very quick, though. Very quick. Mo- yeah, most very racing quick. drivers who aren't Mark Webber are on the short side. You so know, that's everyone who isn't Mark Webber. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Who else is... Oh, Alexander Wurtz as well. He's the other yeah. the other tall guy. Gary Paffett's all right, isn't he? He was good in DTM. Yeah, yeah but he yeah. never got selected for a race seat in Formula One. He's a good test driver. But maybe that's a useful thing for Formula E because it's quite a technical race. You have to manage things quite carefully in Formula E, don't you? I think so. Hmm. I'm just hoping this season will just get me a bit more excited than the previous seasons has because, to be honest, I've always been interested in Formula E, but it's never really got me that fired up I'm not sure why I mean the There's race no that we went to in London oh. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there I'll go home now sorry everyone sorry are you saying uh, it's a bit static oh, oh terrible we went to the race in London That's uh, three yeah. four years ago which it was, was which yeah. was a great event yeah. really really good race good event was it fully somehow, charged oh, oh. Yeah, I think we should all Maybe the, this is the problem with Formula E. It's it, too no, good it's a source of bad puns. <laughs> it's attracting puns. <laughs> and that's why it will city at fix that never be a success. Go all the way. So, Stoff, uh, welcome to the Formula E team. Uh, thank you. Now, you now have a new format for the new Formula Works, right? Yes, uh, 45 minutes plus one more lap. Yep, that's it. Basically, yeah. So just remember, at this stage, the battery management isn't nailed down, so you might find the last lap is incredibly slow. Are you okay with that? Hey, I've just been driving for McLaren. Gareth Jones on speed. I know we finished the last section with some dreadful puns. So I'm going to start this one with another dreadful pun. Oh, God. Yeah. There was an... Not you, Finn. There was an awful lot of hype about Formula E. (laughs) Which brings me to something else which is attracting a great deal of hype at the moment. Elon Musk's Hyperloop. Should we believe the hype? Don't believe the Hyperloop. I see what you did there. Thank you very much. (laughs) I see what you did there. Even me. So, you understand these things, right? Well, I try to. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, Hyperloop's been in the news just recently because of one big positive move, one sort of maybe not so positive. But we should just say for anyone that's not familiar with it, Hyperloop is the name for the Elon Musk-conceived high-speed transport system that would involve running 
pods, running trains in tunnels that have no air in them, vacuum tunnels mm. underground. Near vacuum, they say. Uh, yeah, near vacuum. Not va- quite well, a perfect or, yeah, vacuum. Near as vacuum yeah. as makes yeah. more. But basically you've got vacuumed out tunnels underground through which you run high-speed trains, high-speed pods. And the idea is that you can run your carriages at 700 800 miles an hour, this kind of speed. And what's been happening is, that, first of all, that Chinese billionaire Li Shufu, who, as it happens, owns Geely and also Volvo, therefore, has just signed an agreement with a state-owned company, the Chinese Aerospace Science and Industry Corporation, to jointly build a whole new class of high-speed train that is basically this Hyperloop concept. That's happening in China. Over in America, there's a certain amount of excitement about the idea of Hyperloop. You talk about an L.A. to San Francisco link. Uh, There have been various other routes proposed for a Hyperloop. But do we think this is going to happen? Are we excited? Do we think it's crazy? Would you take a ride on the first test vehicle? There are two things about Hyperloop I like. The first one is obvious. It's absolutely science fiction. It's bonkers, isn't it? It's isn't bonkers. it? You've seen Futurama. In the future, everyone travels around in tubes. It's that, for real. Admittedly, they're in pods in the tubes. I like that. I love the future. I've been there. Welcome back. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice to be here. It's not as good as it was as I remember it. Thank you. Did and you the second George Jetson. Yeah. And, uh, Janie's uh, wife. Yeah, and I saw... Marty McFly, of Yeah, that's what I was yeah, trying to yeah, say. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Spock. <laughs> Spock was always there as well. He's always in the future. But the second thing I like, and the thing I really, 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 really like about the Hyperloop, is that it relies on something developed by one of my absolute number one heroes of all time, Eric Laithwaite, who was a British engineer from Lancashire, who in the 19, I think, ooh, I can't remember if it was 50s, 60s or 70s, but realised when I was growing up, if you develop the idea of taking an electric motor and unwind it, so instead of being circular, lay it out in a straight line, you get a linear electric motor and you can drive things along horizontally. I love Lathwaite. He's one of the great thinkers of British engineering. He was rejected by the, uh, what are they called the Royal Institute of Science in London as well so I like him even more for that and the Hyperloop why what have they ever done to you oh well come on look at them they're so stuffy here England science and along comes this bloke from the no, north no I, th- I think I it's ex- it. who did you say didn't allow him to be a member the Royal Society is that what they're called the, the, the Royal Institute Royal Institute sorry the Royal Institute yeah I, no 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 Royal Institute no, no that's a very good no, uh, they are it may not be perfect but yeah. no, and we're not going to get into an argument okay, about right. that great British science institution no I know no, 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 I'm, I'm we're going to argue he did do the Christmas lectures when I was a boy the people's front of science no (laughs) (laughs) science front of the science front of institutions no that's wrong anyway Um, yeah he did the Christmas lectures when I was a boy and it's been one of the massive influence on me ever since and the Hyperloop will float on a magic because any technology indistinguishable from magic is advanced oh it's the wrong way around Asimov yeah any advanced technology is indistinguishable from from magic. magic it will float on magnets as if by magic and that's beautiful. That is a genuine advance. And the other thing I like about it is that it's nutty Elon Musk. Richard? <laughs> well, one man's nutty is another man's bullshit, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Not a fan. Well, yeah, I just I think he needs to wind his neck in for a bit and just concentrate on getting what he's got right. You know, we were talking before we started recording, and I always get this the wrong way round. Well, you know, sort of business apprentice type people always say the right way round is under promise and over deliver, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And I think he does the opposite. Because he's however, always going, hey, we're all going to live however, on Mars. No, we're not. Before not we get, yet. Before, not in our lifetime. Before we get too sceptical about Elon Musk's ability to do crazy transport stuff, yeah. SpaceX. He's actually he, doing you know, His company he's, has yeah. developed reusable yeah. space rockets, reusable launches that are being used to take stuff to the International Space Station. And granted, he had a fair bit of American government money to do that, mm. but a great many other rocket companies have had a great deal of American government money to build launches and send sh- into orbit, and Musk's company, SpaceX, has done a tremendous job at developing 
launches, and that is a very tricky business. He's a visionary. I'll tell you what's not tricky. He's making the back bumpers stay on cars when they drive through heavy rain. He's well, can't issue, do that. Can't yeah. do that. Model 3s. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe that's harder than getting into space. It probably is, but what you need to do is approach it with a bit of humility rather than the arrogance that goes, I know better than the people who are already doing it. And I suppose that's maybe where Musk is better is when he's going into a sort of blank space where no one has already tried this. Boldly going where no one's gone before. Something like that. Yeah. And <laughs> the rockets thing, I know people have done it before, but he had that sort of vision. Of, I know, don't get yeah. me wrong. I like the fact that if Musk didn't exist, we'd have to invent him because you need somebody who's bombed enough just to go hey we're going to try this and he's got enough money frankly behind him to mm. go eh, give he, it a try yeah. he's yeah. real world but Tony Stark this well, driving it, underground thing through tubes I mean LA to San Francisco you're going to build an underground pipe through one of the most earthquake ridden areas of the world it, well I see and now and this does what, give some interesting stuff I won't be train. signing that waiver well <laughs> absolutely I'll be, I'll be moonwalking away from that one signing well, a waiver what's this what well for those that want to go on the first hyperlip ride you need to sign a waiver to basically give your life away just in case you die, everything will be okay. Just in case. Just in case. <laughs> so I well, don't normally sign a waiver when I go on an aeroplane. True. And you do a lot of travelling. You're back and forth between Australia and the UK fairly regularly. Wouldn't a Hyperloop make your life... Sorry, wouldn't a Hyperloop make your life a lot better? So yeah, what, where is this yeah. tube going between... Well, I mean, it's at, not at the moment, as far as I know, it's between LA and San Fran. That would be pretty amazing. Instead of going via aeroplane, taking me one hour and 20 minutes, apparently it's going to take me 35 minutes. It's on a hyperloop. Yeah, and there are other proposed routes from I think Helsinki to Stockholm, and there. I can't be around is, how long it takes. Bra- to get from Branson's to <laughs> Branson's hyperloop company yes. has signed a deal with the Indian government to build a link from Mumbai to Pune, I believe. Right, but. Oh. But, what about but the UK? We, there's nothing yeah, planned it's, 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 in the UK. And, 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 and you know, if there's so, a Hyperloop from Wales to London. I'd be on it like that. They did theorise about what would be the optimum place to put the Hyperloop in the UK, and I think they projected a route which went sort of Glasgow, Liverpool, London, a sort of a curve, and that was the perfect one that yeah. would reach more people than any. Which means if I could get off in Liverpool, you know, if I could get to Liverpool from London in, what, eight minutes or something? It would take me 20 minutes to get from Liverpool to my part of North Wales. I'm in. I mean, I do love the idea of it, but there are some grounds to be a bit sceptical about Mm it. I mean, test tracks are being built and technology is being developed, but we're away from having any working system. And it's worth just remembering that in this Hyperloop idea, it basically combines a lot of the hazards of land speed record vehicles mm-hmm. with the hazards associated with space flight. Mm. That you're basically, you know, you're travelling at... <laughs> Doesn't sound you know, so safe, does it? You're travelling at 700 miles an hour... When you put it that ...inches way. from concrete walls... In a vacuum, which, so if anything goes wrong, you've got the possibility of explosive decompression, huh. of suffocation. You're really telling it to you me know, now. It's, and, well, we're talking about San Francisco to LA, Link would, as you say, go through earthquake country. Now, earthquakes make bits of ground move and make the you know, one bit of ground not quite line up with the next bit of ground, and that could mm-hmm. be quite a big deal. Problematic. If you, yeah. But when was the last time an earthquake affected rail, what's it called, rail track in America? Am- Amtrak. I don't well, know. But I'm landslides on the, the PCH. Yeah. So we just got taken out by a landslide. And there hasn't been a massive earthquake in California for a while. They're saying one's due. The big one. But in any case, I mean, I'm, 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 I would bet I'm very confident that an earthquake is going to have much less effect on an above-ground railway that it's going to have on a, uh, an underground transport system that is based on vacuum tubes and having to fire your capsules with millimetre precision at 700 miles is an it, hour along these tracks. You know, it, but basically, if your tracks shift a few inches, mm. they're big, long, sturdy, flexible bits of steel. They can move a few inches and you're still going to be OK. But probably. are all the Hyperloops going to be tunnels underground or are they going yeah. to be elevated tubes? If they're elevated tubes, you've still got the same problem. An elevated tube would granted be safe from earthquake damage Mm -hmm. but it would be more vulnerable to being hit by let's say you know a lorry with an unusual load that's driving underneath it or let's say you want to plan a terrorist attack on a city the hyperloop tube isn't a bad thing Mm. as a target the point is that it's important infrastructure it could be quite fragile vulnerable hypothetically speaking oh (laughs) stop it with your puns actually a vacuum tube is quite a fragile structure if you've ever 
taken a can of, this is, I'm going how mode now. If you ever take a can, got a bit of water in it and heat it up so it expands and then cool it in some water and you tap it, it will collapse. But that's a can that is designed to be as weak as it can possibly be. To you retain know, the fluid, right. Yeah, to retain it's not the, fluid, the right technology. It's, and that can is not designed mm -hmm. to withstand any pressure from outside, mm -hmm. let alone one atmosphere of overpressure. Whereas your Hyperloop tube mm -hmm. is going to be designed, it's mm -hmm. never going to have to do with more than one atmosphere. Okay, conversely, pressure difference, CRTs, CRTs, old-fashioned cathode ray tube televisions, yep. don't explode, but if you hit them hard enough, they, they will implode. implode. Yeah. But even though that they're just glass, it's quite hard to smash a television. Have you ever tried to smash an old CRT? I have several quite times. Difficult. And it is quite hard. It's quite um, difficult. It's fun. Because so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're vacuum tubes, aren't they? So maybe we shouldn't be too nervous about vacuum tubes. I wouldn't be nervous about having a vacuum tube in the corner of my room. I might be a bit more nervous if somebody said, here's a vacuum tube, I'm going to put Would you in it and fly it? you down at 700 miles an hour. <laughs> that's, a no, that's a different kind of vacuum tube. Um, also, on a boringly practical note, I was just looking this up while you were talking. So this is about rail tunnels, but the approximate range of underground rail tunnel construction costs in continental Europe and Japan ranges between $100 million per mile at the low end and $1 billion per mile at the high end. Oh, an interesting Making fact. tunnels is expensive <laughs> who's paying for this but some of the best Elon people Musk. at making tunnels are in the southeast of england and the southeast of england is a great place to drill tunnels really. is well, it though because well, the, the, like, the tube doesn't go much to south london does it though because it's very swampy down there. hyperloop will <laughs> they'll build one from chelsea to no, battersea you get in a second later you're out but also to your point sarah it's like i think elon musk his pockets are not infinitely deep are there and i think he's got a lot of other problems going on at the moment with tesla and yeah, I don't know. Fallout from his, yeah, um, from his, his freak out earlier this year. There's all sorts yeah. of kind of market well, questions about think, that. He I can't think just keep paying, like no. the, the LA to San Francisco thing. I don't know how far that is. It's a bit like 400 miles. miles. Yeah. It's a bit like Donald Trump sort of advertised himself as being this bottomless pit, like his pockets were so deep that they were never ending. But in actual fact, he was in debt most of the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just uh, very small hands. He could never reach the bottom of his pockets, didn't know how much was down there. So is Elon Musk the futuristic Donald Trump? Oh, it's a no, horrible no, no, no. Don't, don't even make the comparison. It's, no. uh, I wasn't no. suggesting that, Please but don't, I, yeah. uh, <laughs> I joined the similarities. Yeah. Hey, but here's the last interesting fact about Hyperloop. I came across a very interesting little factoid about the history of this idea of moving things through tubes. It turns out that one of the first people to propose this kind of transport system. The atmospheric railway. There was an atmospheric railway in, uh, on, uh, in, in Crystal Palace, was it? There was one in no, I think the UK. Was, but yeah. no, this is something else. Robert Goddard, the yes, American yes. pioneer of uh, liquid-fueled yeah. rockets, yeah. in 1904, when he was a student, kind of train. sketched out... Yes, that's what it was the called. The Vactrain, that's yeah. what it was called. Yeah. Well done. And his wife was awarded a patent for the Vactrain mm -hmm. a few years after Goddard died. Obviously, what Goddard imagined in 1904 didn't involve magnetic levitation. I think it was still running on steel wheels at that point. But you had a tube in which these pods were pushed along by air pressure with a vacuum in front of the pod. So Elon Musk, modern work. space pioneer, yeah. and uh, Robert Goddard, yep. early with, space pioneer, with, without Goddard, both also into other weird forms of transport. Yeah, without Goddard, we wouldn't have had liquid-fueled rockets, we wouldn't have had multi-stage rockets. <laughs> the, uh, the first multi-stage rockets, however, Tchaikovsky? were... Uh, Tchaikovsky? Tchaikovsky. 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 The rocket equations. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. There were military multi-stage rockets, I believe, used in Hungary or Bulgaria in really? sort of 16th century... Oh, I must have um, missed that. Uh, it's a, yeah, I'd have to double-check that. But multi-stage rockets were not a 20th century innovation. Thank you, Zog. And on that futuristic note, I think we'll leave our vision of the future for now. Join us in the future on Gareth Jones on Speed. We've got some rather special things to happen. I won't say any more than that. Over the next, certainly, four episodes. That's all I'm going to say for now. But for the moment, it's goodbye from Zog. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Sarah. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Richard. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We sounded like the four Ronnies then, didn't we? That's weird. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! Speed!